chapter twenty six of the pilot by james fenimore cooper this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty six mercury i permit thee to be socia again dryden we must leave the two adventurers winding their way among the broken piles and venturing boldly beneath the tottering arches of the ruin to accompany the reader at the same hour within the more comfortable walls of the abbey where it will be remembered burrowcliff was left in a condition of very equivocal ease as the earth had however in the interval nearly run its daily round circumstances had intervened to release the soldier from his confinement and no one ignorant of the fact would suppose that the gentleman who was now seated at the hospitable board of colonel howard directing with so much discretion the energies of his masticators to the delicacies of the feast could read in his careless air and smiling visage that those foragers of nature had been so recently condemned for four long hours to the mortification of discussing the barren subject of his own sword hilt burrowcliff however maintained not only his usual post but his well-earned reputation at the table with his ordinary coolness of demeanour though at times there were fleeting smiles that crossed his military aspect which sufficiently indicated that he considered the matter of his reflection to be of a particularly ludicrous character in the young man who sat by his side dressed in the deep blue jacket of a seaman with the fine white linen of his collar contrasting strongly with the black silk handkerchief that was tied with studied negligence around his neck and whose easy air and manner contrasted still more strongly with this attire the reader will discover griffith the captive paid much less devotion to the viands than his neighbour though he affected more attention to the business of the table than he actually bestowed with a sort of consciousness that it would relieve the blushing maiden who presided the laughing eyes of catherine plowden were glittering by the side of the mild countenance of alice dunscombe and at times were fastened in droll interest on the rigid and upright exterior that captain manuel maintained directly opposite to where she was seated a chair had also been placed for dylan of course it was vacant and so burrowcliff cried colonel howard with a freedom of voice and a vivacity in his air that announced the increasing harmony of the repast the sea-dog left you nothing to chew but the cud of your resentment that and my sword-hilt returned the immovable recruiting officer gentlemen i know not how your congress rewards military achievements but if that worthy fellow were in my company he should have a halberd within a week spurs i would not offer him for he affects to spurn their use griffith smiled and bowed in silence to the liberal compliment of burrowcliff but manuel took on himself the task of replying considering the drilling the man has received the conduct has been well enough sir though a well-trained soldier would not only have made prisoners but he would have secured them i perceive my good comrade that your thoughts are running on the exchange said burrowcliff good-humouredly we will fill sir and by permission of the ladies drink to a speedy restoration of rights to both parties the status quo ante bellum with all my heart cried the colonel and cicely and miss catherine will pledge the sentiment in a woman's sip will ye not my fair wards mr griffith i honour this proposition of yours which will not only liberate yourself but restore to us my kinsman mr christopher dillon 
kit had imagined the thing well ha burrowcliffe twas ingeniously contrived but the fortune of war interposed itself to his success and yet it is a deep and inexplicable mystery to me how kit should have been conveyed from the abbey with so little noise and without raising the alarm christopher is a man who understands the philosophy of silence as well as that of rhetoric returned burrowcliffe and must have learned in his legal studies that it is sometimes necessary to conduct matters sub silentio you smile at my latin miss plowden but really since i have become an inhabitant of this monkish abode my little learning is stimulated to unwonted efforts nay you are pleased to be yet more merry i use the language because silence is a theme in which you ladies take but little pleasure catherine however disregarded the slight pique that was apparent in the soldier's manner but after following the train of her own thoughts in silent enjoyment for a moment longer she seemed to yield to their drollery and laughed until her dark eyes flashed with merriment cecilia did not assume the severe gravity with which she sometimes endeavoured to repress what she thought the unseasonable mirth of her cousin and the wandering griffith fancied as he glanced his eye from one to the other that he could discern a suppressed smile playing among the composed features of alice dunscombe catherine however soon succeeded in repressing the paroxysm and with an air of infinitely comic gravity she replied to the remark of the soldier i think i have heard of such a process in nautical affairs as towing but i must appeal to mr griffith for the correctness of the term you could not speak with more accuracy returned the young sailor with a look that sent the conscious blood to the temples of the lady though you had made marine terms your study the profession requires less thought perhaps than you imagine sir but is this towing often done as captain burrowcliffe i beg his pardon as the monks have it sub silentio spare me fair lady cried the captain and we will establish a compact of mutual grace you to forgive my learning and i to suppress my suspicions suspicions sir is a word that a lady must defy and defiance a challenge that a soldier can never receive so i must submit to talk english though the fathers of the church were my companions i suspect that miss plowden has it in her power to explain the manner of mr christopher dillon's departure the lady did not reply but a second burst of merriment succeeded of a liveliness and duration quite equal to the former how's this exclaimed the colonel permit me to say miss plowden your mirth is very extraordinary i trust no disrespect has been offered to my kinsman mr griffith our terms are that the exchange shall only be made on condition that equally good treatment has been extended to the parties if mr dillon can complain of no greater evil than that of being laughed at by miss plowden sir he has reason to call himself a happy fellow i know not sir god forbid that i should forget what is due to my guests gentlemen but ye have entered my dwelling as foes to my prince but not to colonel howard sir i know no difference mr griffith king george or colonel howard colonel howard or king george our feelings our fortunes and our fate are as one with the mighty odds that providence has established between the prince and his people i wish no other fortune than to share at an humble distance the weal or woe of my sovereign you are not called upon dear sir to do either by the thoughtlessness of us ladies said cecilia rising but here comes one who should turn our thoughts to a more important subject our dress politeness induced colonel howard who both loved and respected his niece to defer his remarks to another time and catherine springing from her chair with childish eagerness flew to the side of her cousin who was directing a servant that had announced the arrival of one of those erratic vendors 
of small articles who supply in remote districts of the country the places of more regular traders to show the lad into the dining-parlour the repast was so far ended as to render this interruption less objectionable and as all felt the object of cecilia to be the restoration of harmony the boy was ushered into the room without further delay the contents of his small basket consisting chiefly of essences and the smaller articles of female economy were playfully displayed on the table by catherine who declared herself the patroness of the itinerant youth and who laughingly appealed to the liberality of the gentleman in behalf of her protege you perceive my dear guardian that the boy must be loyal for he offers here perfume that is patronized by no less than two royal dukes do suffer me to place a box aside for your especial use you consent i see it in your eye and captain barrowcliff as you appear to be forgetting the use of your own language here is even a hornbook for you how admirably provided he seems to be you must have had st ruth in view when you laid in your stock child yes my lady the boy replied with a bow that was studiously awkward i have often heard of the grand ladies that dwell in the old abbey and i have journeyed a few miles beyond my rounds to gain their custom and surely they cannot disappoint you miss howard that is a palpable hint to your purse and i know not that even miss alice can escape contribution in these troublesome times come aid me child what have you to recommend in particular to the favour of these ladies the lad approached the basket and rummaged its contents for a moment with the appearance of deep mercenary interest and then without lifting his hand from the confusion he had caused he said while he exhibited something within the basket to the view of his smiling observer this my lady catherine started and glanced her eyes with a piercing look at the countenance of the boy and then turned them uneasily from face to face with conscious timidity cecilia had effected her object and had resumed her seat in silent abstraction alice was listening to the remarks of captain manuel and the host as they discussed the propriety of certain military usages griffith seemed to hold communion with his mistress by imitating her silence but catherine in her stolen glances met the keen look of burrowcliff fastened on her face in a manner that did not fail instantly to suspend the scrutiny come cecilia she cried after a pause of a moment we trespassed too long on the patience of the gentleman not only to keep possession of our seats ten minutes after the cloth has been drawn but even to introduce our essences and tapes and needles among the madeira and shall i add cigars colonel not while we are favoured with the company of miss plowden certainly come my coz i perceive the colonel is growing particularly polite which is a never-failing sign that he tires of our presence cecilia rose and was leading the way to the door when catherine turned to the lad and added you can follow us to the drawing-room child where we can make our purchases without exposing the mystery of our toilets miss plowden has forgotten my hornbook i believe said burrowcliff advancing from the standing group who surrounded the table possibly i can find some work in the basket of the boy better fitted for the improvement of a grown-up young gentleman than this elementary treatise cecilia observing him to take the basket from the lad resumed her seat and her example was necessarily followed by catherine though not without some manifest indications of vexation come hither boy and explain the uses of your wares this is soap and this a penknife i know but what name do you affix to this that that is tape returned the lad with an impatience that might very naturally be attributed to the interruption that was thus given to his trade and this that repeated the stripling pausing with a hesitation between sulkiness and doubt that come this is a little ungallant cried catherine to keep three ladies dying with impatience to possess themselves of their finery while you detain the boy to ask the name of a tambouring needle 
i should apologize for asking questions that are so easily answered but perhaps he will find the next more difficult to solve returned burrowcliff placing the subject of his inquiries in the palm of his hand in such a manner as to conceal it from all but the boy and himself this has a name too what is it that that is sometimes called white line perhaps you mean a white lie how sir exclaimed the lad a little fiercely a lie only a white one returned the captain what do you call this miss dunscombe we call it bobbin sir generally in the north said the placid alice ay bobbin or white line they are the same thing added the young trader they are i think now for a professional man you know but little of the terms of your art observed burrowcliff with an affectation of irony i never have seen a youth of your years who knew less what names now would you affix to this and this and this while the captain was speaking he drew from his pockets the several instruments that the coxswain had made use of the preceding night to secure his prisoner that exclaimed the lad with the eagerness of one who would vindicate his reputation is rattling stuff and this is marline and that is senate enough enough said burrowcliff you have exhibited sufficient knowledge to convince me that you do know something of your trade and nothing of these articles mr griffith do you claim this boy i believe i must sir said the young sea officer who had been intently listening to the examination on whatever errand you have now ventured here mr mary it is useless to effect further concealment mary exclaimed cecilia howard is it you then my cousin are you too fallen into the power of your enemies was it not enough that the young lady recovered her recollection in time to suppress the remainder of the sentence though the grateful expression of griffith's eye sufficiently indicated that he had in his thoughts filled the sentence with expressions abundantly flattering to his own feelings how's this again cried the colonel my two wards embracing and fondling a vagrant vagabond peddler before my eyes is this treason mr griffith or what means the extraordinary visit of this young gentleman is it extraordinary sir said mary himself losing his assumed awkwardness in the ease and confidence of one whose faculties had been early exercised that a boy like myself destitute of mother and sisters should take a like risk on himself to visit the only two female relatives he has in the world why this disguise then surely young gentleman it was unnecessary to enter the dwelling of old george howard on such an errand clandestinely even though your tender years have been practised on to lead you astray from your allegiance mr griffith and captain manuel must pardon me if i express sentiments at my own table that they may find unpleasant but this business requires us to be explicit the hospitality of colonel howard is unquestionable returned the boy but he has a great reputation for his loyalty to the crown ay young gentleman and i trust with some justice would it then be safe to entrust my person in the hands of one who might think it his duty to detain me this is plausible enough captain burrowcliff and i doubt not the boy speaks with candour i would now that my kinsman mr christopher dillon were here that i might learn if it would be misprison of treason to prevent this youth to depart unmolested and without exchange inquire of the young gentleman after the cacique returned the recruiting officer who apparently satisfied in producing the exposure of mary had resumed his seat at the table perhaps he is in verity an ambassador empowered to treat on behalf of his highness how say you demanded the colonel do you know anything of my kinsman the anxious eyes of the whole party were fastened on the boy for many moments witnessing the sudden change from careless freedom to deep horror expressed in his countenance at length he uttered in an undertone the secret of dillon's fate he is dead dead repeated every voice in the room yes dead said the boy gazing at the pallid faces of those who surrounded him a long and fearful silence succeeded the announcement of this intelligence 
which was only interrupted by griffith who said explain the manner of his death sir and where his body lies his body lies interred in the sands returned mary with a deliberation that proceeded from an opening perception that if he uttered too much he might betray the loss of the ariel and consequently endanger the liberty of barnstable in the sands was echoed from every part of the room ay in the sands but how he died i cannot explain he has been murdered exclaimed colonel howard whose command of utterance was now amply restored to him he has been treacherously and dastardly and basely murdered he has not been murdered said the boy firmly nor did he meet his death among those who deserve the name either of traitors or of dastards said you not that he was dead that my kinsman was buried in the sands of the seashore both are true sir and you refuse to explain how he met his death and why he has been thus ignominiously interred he received his interment by my orders sir and if there be ignominy about his grave his own acts have heaped it on him as to the manner of his death i cannot and will not speak be calm my cousin said cecilia in an imploring voice respect the age of my uncle and remember his strong attachment to mr dillon the veteran had however so far mastered his feelings as to continue the dialogue with more recollection mr griffith he said i shall not act hastily you and your companions will be pleased to retire to your several apartments i will so far respect the son of my brother harry's friend as to believe your parole will be sacred go gentlemen you are unguarded the two prisoners bowed low to the ladies and their host and retired griffith however lingered a moment on the threshold to say colonel howard i leave the boy to your kindness and consideration i know you will not forget that his blood mingles with that of one who is most dear to you enough enough sir said the veteran waving his hand to him to retire and you ladies this is not a place for you either never will i quit this child said catherine while such a horrid imputation lies on him colonel howard act your pleasure on us both for i suppose you have the power but his fate shall be my fate there is i trust some misconception in this melancholy affair said barrowcliff advancing into the centre of the agitated group and i should hope by calmness and moderation all may yet be explained young gentlemen you have borne arms and must know notwithstanding your youth what it is to be in the power of your enemies never returned the proud boy i am a captive for the first time i speak sir in reference to our power you may order me to a dungeon or as i have entered the abbey in disguise possibly to a gibbet and is that a fate to be met so calmly by one so young you dare not do it captain burrowcliffe cried catherine involuntarily throwing an arm around the boy as if to shield him from harm you would blush to think of such a cold-blooded act of vengeance colonel howard if we could examine the young man where the warmth of feeling which these ladies exhibit might not be excited said the captain apart to his host we should gain important intelligence miss howard and you miss plowden said the veteran in a manner that long habit had taught his wards to respect your young kinsman is not in the keeping of savages and you can safely confide him to my custody i am sorry that we have so long kept miss alice standing but she will find relief on the couches of your drawing-room cecilia cecilia and catherine permitted themselves to be conducted to the door by their polite but determined guardian where he bowed to their retiring persons with the exceeding courtesy that he never failed to use when in the least excited you appear to know your danger mr mary said burrowcliffe after the door was closed i trust you also know what duty would dictate to one in my situation do it sir returned the boy you have a king to render an account to and i have a country i may have a country also said burrowcliffe with a calmness that was not in the least disturbed by the taunting air with which the youth delivered himself it is possible for me however to be lenient even merciful when the interests of that prince to whom you allude are served 
you came not on this enterprise alone sir had i come better attended captain burrowcliffe might have heard these questions instead of putting them i am happy sir that your retinue has been so small and yet even the rebel schooner called the ariel might have furnished you with a more becoming attendance i cannot but think that you are not far distant from your friends he is near his enemies your honour said sergeant drill who had entered the room unobserved for here is a boy who says he has been seized in the old ruin and robbed of his goods and clothes and by his description this lad should be the thief burrowcliffe signed to the boy who stood in the background to advance and he was instantly obeyed with all that eagerness which a sense of injury on the part of the sufferer could excite the tale of this unexpected intruder was soon told and was briefly this he had been assaulted by a man and a boy the latter was in presence while arranging his effects in the ruin preparatory to exhibiting them to the ladies of the abbey and had been robbed of such part of his attire as the boy had found necessary for his disguise together with his basket of valuables he had been put into an apartment of an old tower by the man for safe-keeping but as the latter frequently ascended to its turret to survey the country he had availed himself of this remissness to escape and to conclude he demanded a restoration of his property and vengeance for his wrongs mary heard his loud and angry details with scornful composure and before the offended pedlar was through his narrative he had divested himself of the borrowed garments which he threw to the other with singular disdain we are beleaguered mine host beset besieged cried burrowcliffe when the other had ended here is a rare plan to rob us of our laurels ay and our rewards but hark ye drill they have old soldiers to deal with and we shall look into the matter one would wish to triumph on foot you understand me there was no horse in the battle go fellow i see you grow wiser take this young gentleman and remember he is a young gentleman put him in safe-keeping but see him supplied with all he wants burrowcliffe bowed politely to the haughty bend of the body with which mary who now began to think himself a martyr to his country followed the orderly from the room there is metal in the lad exclaimed the captain and if he live to get a beard twill be a hardy dog he ventures to pluck it i am glad mine host that this wandering jew has arrived to save the poor fellow's feelings for i detest tampering with such a noble spirit i saw by his eye that he had squinted oftener over a gun than through a needle but they have murdered my kinsman the loyal the learned the ingenious mr christopher dillon if they have done so they shall be made to answer it said burrowcliffe reseating himself at the table with a coolness that furnished an ample pledge of the impartiality of his judgment but let us learn the facts before we do aught hastily colonel howard was fain to comply with so reasonable a proposition and he resumed his chair while his companion proceeded to institute a close examination of the peddler boy we shall defer until the proper time may arrive recording the result of his inquiries but shall so satisfy the curiosity of our readers as to tell them that the captain learned sufficient to convince him a very serious attempt was meditated on the abbey and as he thought enough also to enable him to avert the danger End of chapter twenty six